I'm here today with Andrew Parker from LifeSearch, Head of People and Culture. Um, really interesting case study today, LifeSearch, not necessarily a brand that everyone's going to be familiar with, um, but the story behind how they are driving their business forward through a devoted focus on, on people and culture is quite a compelling one. So, Andrew, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. So if you could just start off, um, as I said, LifeSearch is not necessarily a brand that everyone's going to be immediately familiar with. Can you just tell us a bit about the, the organisation and its history? Um, I'll get to that in a sec. I'll address that first point that, yeah, you're probably quite right that outside of the four walls of our industry, I suppose, um, we're not the, 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 the um, most well-known brand. Um, we're very much trying to change that. We have um, a big campaign that we've called Inside Out. Um, we're into the second year of that and we're spending um, you know, a decent sum of money and resource um, helping more and more people um, in our in our country, frankly, understand who we are and what we do. So um, we're chipping away at that and making that change. Um, this year, quite um, nicely, is our 21st birthday year. Um, so in a few weeks' time at our end of year conference and party, uh, we'll be having our biggest ever party to celebrate that. Um, and Life Search was the brainchild, I suppose, of, of Tom Bakery. Um, he founded the company. He's still our CEO, and we kind of called him our founding father. Um, and we use that phrase um, intentionally, really, because as a business, we talk a lot about family and having a sense of family, either across our many locations and 500 people, um, but also kind of within teams and within locations too. Um, so with Tom as our founding father, that, that feels an appropriate piece of language to use. Um, Tom realized all those years ago that um, our market wasn't done particularly well. Um, so we refer to it, or the industry rather, is called protection, um, which to, to the layman really is um, our insurances that you might need when and if dark things and difficult things might happen to your family. And so the finances of your family are kind of in peril, really, um, be that a death, um, an illness, a serious accident, something that means you can no longer work, um, a huge proportion of all of the income of the family is taken away. How do you carry on? How are the kids fed? How are the bills paid? How is the roof kept over your head? So whether that be life insurance, critical illness cover, income protection, serious illness cover, um, that's what we specialize in. Um, we're the UK's largest, most respected independent brand in that field. Um, we have a number of high street partnerships with people like Compare the Market, Money Supermarket and so on. Um, and we um, advise and guide and protect for some or all of their clients. Um, so from that initial idea of Tom's that that market just wasn't done particularly well, I want to do it better. He hired his first advisor, a guy called Brian, um, and now in our 21st year we're 500 people across the UK and in Cape Town too. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, you know, even uh, going onto the Life Search website, if you compare it to, I guess, your traditional insurance or protection organisations, straight away you can tell that there's a, a feeling that the organisation is slightly different. You know, lots of use of the words family and love. Mm -hmm. Just how important is that human element and bringing that to life um, important for? for the business and everything that you do? Utterly vital. Um, so yeah, you've, you've pulled out some of the words there. We talk a lot about family, we talk about fun, we talk a lot about love. 
we talk about a lot the um, phrase agape, which is a Greek phrase, a Greek version of love, which means the good you can do for somebody else simply because it's a good thing to do. Um, just to go back to Tom for a second, I mentioned our end of year conference that we have, um, and you can imagine that most of these things, most CEOs would stand up and do a very dry, very dull 20 minute PowerPoint click through on results, figures, performance projects. Um, every year, Tom closes our event, and I think three or four years ago, um, he stood up and he did a 15-minute presentation on love, um, and it got a standing ovation from the whole business, um, and just well, it was an incredible um, piece of laboratory, really. So, not many owners of businesses would do that. So, yeah, all of those words are kind of really important to us, and it really supports our philosophy that um, the only way we can be successful and the only way we can keep growing as a business is to make sure that you know, really good outcomes happen for our clients by doing really good things with our people. You know, those two things combined make the turnover and make the profits happen. Mm -hmm. and, and I think sort of linked to that, you have um, some fairly emotive um, and not necessarily overtly business-linked values. Um, can you tell me how you apply those to both your employees and to, to your customers? Mm -hmm. I might take a step back if I'm, if that's okay, and maybe just tell you the, the story really from where it all started, which um, we really put 2012 kind of in the ground as the year it all began in a way. Um, prior to that, um, yes, we certainly were all of those things, but maybe it wasn't quite as explicit, it wasn't quite as embedded, it wasn't quite as um, in your face as it was. Um, and a lot of that came from what comes from Tom's, so his own personal values, the way he feels that business should be done. And then in 2012, we really kind of crystallized the whole thing. Um, and we started by doing um, roadshows around the business. There's something like 25 roadshows around the business. Um, every life searcher came along to one of those for several hours. Um, importantly, we called our um, teams exactly that. Life searchers, searchers, crew, squad, family, gang, um, not staff, employees, hideous words like that. Um, all of them came along to a roadshow and we all had a very kind of frank conversation about what do you, what do you want your business to feel like? Um, when you come to work every day, you know, what should it feel like? What should the atmosphere be? What should the vibe be? Um, I guess in the HR circle we call that culture, which I, I find a little um, passe as a word now. But yeah, it is, what does this place feel like when you come to work every day? So we had those frank conversations 25 times over. Um, those conversations then gave us the first version of our culture statement um, the, and then the five values that support that culture statement. Um, we then took that back around to the 25 groups again, having um, boiled all of that output down. We said to the 25 groups again, um, this kind of collectively feels like what you want your business to be like, what do you reckon? Um, and thankfully the 25 groups went, yeah, get it, I'll do it, I stand behind it, I'm on board. Um, and that's been a constant evolution. We've been around that lap three times, four times perhaps since 2012. Again, talking to every single person in the business, which is a it's, it's a huge commitment to try and get that level of engagement and consultation. Um, and then the third part of that really was um, the model that we adopted for 31 practices. Um, and that really, I think, is the key to helping people apply those five values to their day job. Um, our five values being care, honesty, openness, tolerance, and excellence. And I might go for a little tangent on a couple of them in a second. Um, but our 31 practices calendar, as it kind of suggests, is a calendar that on every day of the month um, there is a practice that supports those, um, those values. So whatever role you're in, whether you're talking to our clients on the front line, whether you're our financial controller, um, whether you're opening the post in one of our offices, you know that you can support that value and by doing so you can support 
the culture by revealing atmosphere. Quick couple of examples, um, hashtag one as it's called, so on the first of each month, um, that particular um, practice is about using jargon-free language um, so that we kind of aren't talking in rhymes and riddles. Um, so if you're talking to a client where things like medical conditions get very tricky and very complex, we're not talking in acronyms, we're not talking about IP policies instead of income protection policies. We're all particularly conscious on the first of each month of um, just speaking clearly. Um, other practices focus on just kind of getting things done, about focusing on the coaching and learning that you've had um, and how that should drive your performance. Um, even historically, we've had quite fun ones in there. I think hashtag six a couple of versions ago was something about um, I get um, cuppers and treats in for my gang. Um, so on the sixth of each month, the business would be just a wash of tea, coffee, sandwiches and cakes. Um, so it's that daily practice, that daily mindfulness almost of I am doing a specific thing every day with the logic being that if 500 people across the country and in Cape Town are all doing that same thing religiously, that makes the whole thing happen. And is there a way that you know if the results are, are being achieved? So without, I, know I deliberately stray away from the word measure because I know that we're talking about something that's very emotive and subjective. As you said, it's a feeling, what does it feel like to be at work today? Mm. Um, how do you know whether it's on the right track or not? It's a brilliant question, and I think lots of people in my job might struggle to answer it concisely and clearly. Um, as you said, I've been around the business 15 years collectively. When you look across the senior leadership of our business, there's 100 plus years of life search experience. I think we just know when this thing works. Um, and interestingly, like a lot of other businesses, we don't do the kind of classic annual engagement survey um, for a number of reasons that other people might agree with, that sometimes these things are a little flawed, um, the questions are a bit leading, etc., etc. Um, but also that we just work so closely with our leadership at all levels um, about having your kind of eyes and ears to the ground that we just know that there's a bit of a pocket of unhappiness over there or that team's feeling particularly kind of irky right now, what do we do about it? Um, so a lot of it is a subjective feeling. But of course there are things that we can and do measure. So um, in the early months after we launched the program in 2012, um, we were looking at um, some very explicit business measures. So immediately in the months afterwards, we saw the number of families we protect starting to increase when all of the other influencers of that particular measure had stayed exactly the same. Mm -hmm. um, importantly, there's another language choice. We talk about families protected. Most other insurance firms would probably talk about policies sold or insurance cover in place or whatever, we talk about families protected because that's what we do. Um, having engaged with us, you as a family are now protected from that harm I talked about um, where you wouldn't have been before. Um, we um, sort of took measures like that, um, obvious things I suppose like our um, attrition rates. So in each of the last five years um, we've lost fewer searches than we had kind of budgeted for which is great. Um, and I suppose the heart of our business is, frankly, you know, a high-activity, telephone-based role. Um, if you went out to many other um, operations like that, you might get um, attrition rates of kind of you know, 40, 50 percent in some of those kind of sweatshop places. Um, ours, you know, sometimes drifts as low as kind of mid-teens mm -hmm. um, year to year. So we look at things like that. Um, and then I suppose the most recent example, um, just to crow a little bit, was our um, Sunday Times Top 100 placement this year. Um, so that was an exhaustive kind of survey of everybody in our business. What does it feel like to work here? Dozens and dozens of questions that they went through. Um, and in our first year of um, entering the program, um, they named us number three 
in the top 100, so to be the third best company um, in the UK to work for, um, rated as a three-star accreditation, which is the highest accreditation the best companies um, uh, uh, group give you. Um, that kind of tells us that we're, at least for now we're in pretty good nick, but I say for now because we never stop keeping an eye on it or working on it. And I guess the, the flip side to uh, you know attri the attrition side of things is obviously recruitment, you're standing in your local markets, what mm. benefits have you seen in that regard? Mm. That, that's a good question. Um, so um, just this last three or four months at the start of our new financial year, we've brought our recruitment in-house for the first time. Um, so historically, we've re relied on dozens of different agency partnerships across the country. Um, we've built a platform that we're now doing it ourselves. Um, so it's, it's my team that is, are having those conversations now with clients. Um, and the USPs that you can bring into those conversations are really quite compelling. Um, whether it is things like total reward, which I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to in a second, um, you know, the ability to earn well, all of the other things, other ways you're rewarded, um, flexible working, the non-stop um, focus we have on personal growth and helping people get better and take exams and pass exams and move through our structure of job ages, job families, um, to say to somebody, you're applying to the number three best company of the UK as per the Sunday Times, that's a pretty good um, box on which to stand. Um, so yeah, all of that stuff really just kind of helps get us over as a business. And as you've said, our website and our careers website kind of certainly plays up to that, that uniqueness and, and, and kookiness really um, in what can be, as you've said, a fairly great insurance market. So you talked about reward uh, briefly there. What role does that play? Is it a sort of key focus of this paternalistic approach that you take? Would you regard yourselves as sort of higher than average payers in the market, is that a, a key strategic objective too? We, we take it very seriously, so um, we tend to use, I suppose, the classic um, engagement model of eight different factors, which again the Sunday Times drill into. Um, just as an example, when I leave here this afternoon, we're having a call with our leader in our Cape Town operation on exactly that. We're kind of looking at our engagement model and the different things we can do in each of those um, parts of the pie to kind of help the Cape Town team um, reach newer heights, which is, is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, most organisations or most engagement models will call it fair deal, um, so we take that um, yeah, very seriously in the same way as we apply effort to all of those key dimensions, whether it is um, our team's relationships with their own leader, um, their connection with the, the senior leadership of the business, their understanding of our purpose and our goals and their part in achieving them, um, that there is personal growth for them, um, that they um, are fully kind of connected and, and, and like working with the team around them and that they're working together to achieve results. Yeah, we, we drill into all of those areas regularly. So, um, and the fair deal one is, is always on our mind. So um, with things like um, our partnership model, um, so I've said already, uh, we talk a lot about the you know, kind of family and that whilst Tom is the, the founding father, um, he very much views this as a partnership. So if you've been in our business for three years or longer, um, every financial year, if we achieve our goals, um, you earn a share of that pie. Um, so every February that pays out a significant amount of money, whether you are, the person that opens the post um, or our financial director, um, everybody's included in that. So um, yeah, that's a really democratic and exciting way to kind of get our people engaged. So um, yeah, fair deal, making sure that people are fairly and decently rewarded for the ongoing success of our business is, is vital. So slightly uh, controversial phrase, but um, millennials and the generational divide. Mm -hmm. 
Um, is this something you subscribe to? And if not, how do Life Search make sure they're catering for all people at all stages mm. of their, their life cycle? That's on our mind. I'm not going to pretend at this point we are world experts at it, um, but interestingly, at our annual Leadership Away Day, which just happened in the middle of October, that's our one day a year where we take the 70-plus leadership uh, team of our business away for the day, hence the name, um, and we had um, a really enjoyable day of learning, networking, training. Um, one of the sessions was, was an hour workshop on exactly that, um, how to engage and lead and motivate um, younger people joining our business since 2019 now. We are hiring people that were born in 2000, 2001, um, for, for some, not just leaders of our business, for some others in their, their 40s and 50s perhaps in the workplace, that is quite a difficult and strange thing to kind of get your head around as a concept. So um, yeah, we're certainly kind of focused on that. Um, so we've just gone through a whole piece of leadership training on um, engaging those people. Yeah, we're fully aware of the differences, um, the things that they want and things they don't want. Um, so work in progress. And do you extend that to people at other stages, I guess, at the, at the other end of the spectrum, those people preparing for retirement and, and I guess everyone in the middle too? Is that something that you consciously think about and think about how you appeal to those people? Or do you take this belief that actually if you do the right things, have the right values, it will apply to someone, to everyone in some form or another? I'll be candid, it probably is that latter point. We don't specifically have any approaches or philosophies for different age communities. Mm -hmm. I think we just believe that um, all of those things we've talked about, our values, our culture, our vibe, our feeling, our reward, um, the philosophy of our business, that broadly speaking, that, that should work for most of the mass. Um, so yeah, we have people joining our business, as I say, that were born in 2000, 2001. Um, we have people in our business, a handful of them that have worked beyond, I suppose, what you might consider a normal retirement age. Um, they're later into their 60s, um, still really enjoying what they're doing and, and a really kind of important part of our business. So, um, yeah, we think, we think it works for most. And so, bearing in mind, you know, I, I think I would class you guys at the innovative, sort of leading edge in terms of again using that term term culture but you know absolute belief as that's your key strategic driver mm. how do you stay up to date with what's happening in terms of both stresses and strains on people but mm. developments in the market I think through that kind of that um, ear to the ground kind of philosophy that we have that really does draw things out um, and as I also suggested through things like the culture workshops that we do ongoing um, so as, as a leadership team we're constantly kind of talking to our people about what it's like to be here what's good what's bad what's annoying you right now what can we change um, so um, we do a whole bunch of different things across the course of the year so um, six times a year we do an event called speed networking which kind of suggests what it is um, so we take over a bar for an afternoon and we have something like 15 leaders sat around the room um, and then about 30 um, life searchers sat opposite them in pairs um, so I would have um, you know, two life searchers sat opposite me for four minutes um, they're able to ask me anything at all about what's happening in my world what projects am I working on what's happening um, I can then ask them some questions about what's happening in their world. Four minutes later, they then move on to the next leader, the next leader, the next leader, and so they go around the room. Um, that happens six times a year. And we have things like legend lunches, um, where two of our chiefs, um, um, a handful of times a year, go out for lunch with um, a bunch of legends, which is a formal, kind of almost qualification you can get in our business, um, just to see what's on their mind. 
Um, likewise, within our advisor team, um, we have senior advisors. Um, there are quarterly forums that those guys go along to to kind of share their thoughts and feelings. Um, and again, it all starts at the top. So um, three times a year, we have an event called Come Dine with Tom. Um, so um, each location, I suppose our main bigger locations, London, Leeds, Milton Keynes, um, we choose a handful of people from those locations um, to go and have dinner with Tom. Um, a, to celebrate them and thank them for their contribution to our business, but for him, kind of first hand really, just to kind of get to know what's happening in their world. So um, yeah, we spend a huge amount of time and effort at all levels, listening, asking, questioning, engaging. So in terms of your role head of people and culture then, um, you know, what are those key things right now that, that have your attention or are keeping you awake at night? Very timely you asked that. So just yesterday um, we had our monthly team meeting. Um, so me and my gang sat in a room in London for four and a half hours yesterday, which is pretty normal every month, um, going through the whole gamut of things. So um, right through from some of that recruitment stuff we talked about, what are our approaches to keep hitting our recruitment goals and attracting the best that we can, especially with those younger kind of candidates in mind. Um, everything right through some more leadership training. Um, yes, the Christmas event, but some of those other big kind of engagement things we've talked about. Um, some, just a whole range of things. So um, yeah, we're constantly on the march. Um, tomorrow I'm in our Leeds office doing a welcome presentation to a, a dozen new joiners that joined us this month. Um, and in that presentation, I, I, I make it quite clearly the difference between HR um, and what we do, um, that whilst, yes, my team's role kind of is, it runs the whole kind of gamut of HR responsibilities, we're absolutely not HR, which is out of sight, out of mind, a bit aloof in an ivory tower, never see them, never hear from them, they're an anonymous phone number you can call to question your pay slip, we're not that. Um, so me and my team are across the business all the time, kind of in people's faces, really kind of seeing what's going on. Um, and we talk about how, um, yeah, that is a very kind of different vibe, a very different philosophy, um, and it's um, yeah, it's ever evolving. Um, we try and keep ourselves up to date with um, you know, regularly dialing into webinars and seminars, conferences, um, newsletters, um, and you know, presenting at different conferences as well. But we're regularly asked to do that kind of thing. So um, yeah, we're always looking for new ideas. So along this theme um, of looking after life searches lives, mm -hmm. when it comes to things like wellness, where do you draw the line between making education and services available and taking a more active role in guiding and, and driving people to participate in certain activities or do certain things that you know ultimately will benefit them but other organisations might feel are more intrusive? Hmm. Cracky, that is good. Um, <laughs> So going back to the leadership away there that I mentioned, one of the sessions we had in that was from an employment law specialist who did a workshop with all of our leaders about how employment law, frankly, is just us living those five values that we talked about, um, and most notably care. Um, and uh, Tom, again, was very vocal in that session that um, as a leader of somebody, um, you really don't need to kind of go up the ladder to HR in inverted commas until you've absolutely done care to death. Um, so when you're, you, you have a, a difficult circumstance with somebody in your team, you need to kind of rack your brains. What more can I do to kind of care for that person? What ideas, what initiatives, what flexibility, um, what thought can I apply to this? Um, and then and only then would they perhaps come to our team and say, right, I'm all out of ideas, what more have you got? Um, usually those leaders have really kind of done as much as they can, um, 
which case we'll just kind of say, yeah, yeah, good job, Lena, you've done well there. Um, or sometimes we'll kind of go, actually, I've got a couple of other things up my sleeve. Why don't you have a conversation about this? Why don't you offer that service? Why don't you offer that product? Um, so yeah, I suppose as best we can, we use our influencing skills to help people understand that um, yes, engaging with this wellness partner, or yes, engaging with this therapist, dietitian, asthma expert, whatever it might be, um, that's going to be kind of really good for you. But it's, it's absolutely never done in a, a kind of heavy-handed, you must do this or you're going to lose your job tomorrow kind of way. Um, it absolutely is about because we're worried and concerned about you and your health and your well-being and your happiness. Um, because if all of that is in place, then you doing your job well kind of just happens naturally as a result of that. So let's just focus on the fundamentals of you being a human that's um, in a bit of distress right now. So how do you protect your culture as you scale? God, you're asking me some good questions today. <laughs> um, and I suppose, yeah, that is the absolute nub of it, and it is the thing that is always on our minds, that as we get bigger and bigger and bigger, um, how do we just make sure that people get it? Um, so I first joined the business, what was I first? I haven't joined it many times, I joined it once, um, 14, 15 years ago. Um, and that was, um, we were just a tiny fraction of the size we are now. But actually, I would say that um, now in the culture, the vibe, the feeling is even more understood, it's uh, better articulated, it's better cemented than it was then. Um, and I suppose that's just because there's the hell bent determination from us as the leadership team that it will always be that way. Um, it will always be family, it will always be caring, it will always be friendship, um, it won't be um, golf center, grotty, nasty, sweaty, nine to five, gray, murky, that's just never what this thing is going to be. Um, and a couple of times in our history, yes, I'll be honest, we have kind of thought, mm, it is kind of drifting in that direction. Mm. Um, we have a piece of language in the business that we call, whoa pony, um, <laughs> to just say, right, enough of that, let's just pause, regroup, and kind of go down a different road. So, um, yeah, it's, it's regularly on, on our minds, and I think all those different tools that I've talked about in the ways that we engage with our people, those different focus meetings, roadshows, lunches, speed networking events, and they are using our value of honesty and of openness, um, they will tell us when it just doesn't feel like it used to anymore. Yeah, I think if I used the term woe pony with my team, they'd, they'd probably ask me to leave the building, I imagine. <laughs> but uh, it, it's, uh, what has struck me, it, you know, like I said, I initially picked up on it through the website, but through this discussion, you know, how much of a fundamental role language yeah. plays in, in driving all of this? Yeah. You know, how how important is that and how much thought goes into the terminology that you use around the business? A lot. And I often get mocked for being the kind of language pedant. I often sit in meetings going, is that kind of the best word we've got for that? Um, but, um, yeah, again, I, it was kind of part of that cultural evolution. So, so as, as I said already, um, in the old days, we would talk about having you know, leads coming in. You know, any sales organisation would have leads, so let's call that lead um, and let's make a sale to that lead. Um, but actually, if we're talking about our purpose statement, th this might be interesting as a piece of language, our, pur our purpose statement starts by saying, to love. Um, so again, another business's pur purpose statement might be to achieve a revenue goal or to um, have market domination. Our purpose statement, statement starts to love, and it talks about protecting families and not flogging insurance to them. So how can you have a culture that is focused on doing the right thing by a family, so that when they come knocking at our door saying, um, hey, Mr. Life Search, I'm really quite worried about what would happen if I were to pass away. Um, you know, my wife works part-time. Um, she couldn't afford to pay the mortgage. She couldn't put food on the table. She can't pay the bills. I'm really worried about that. What do I do? 
to do anything other than what is absolutely kind of right for that family so that hopefully never, but two, three, four, five years down the line, when something does happen to that family, that at least money isn't, is one thing they don't have to worry about. Um, it's properly life-changing stuff. Um, we have a claims team and that's all they do is support um, families through those circumstances and for the nominations for our end of year awards in a few weeks time just on Tuesday this week I was reading 21 pages of testimonial um, that people have made about our care team um, and some of the stories in there I'm now getting goosebumps talking about it um, but yeah a, a family who lost their four-year-old daughter um, um, due to cancer and the impact they had on them they weren't even fully aware that they had um, children's critical illness cover included on their policy but they did um, our team spotted that and said hey nothing's ever going to change the circumstance you're in um, but the insurer in question is sending you £25,000 just to help you know, with perhaps some of the immediate bills and that kind of stuff that just that changes lives um, and when you kind of get that um, which our, our people really do you're not going to do anything other than what is kind of absolutely right for them we talked about language and I come, went off on a whole little tangent there so so yes we talked about kind of yeah leads and how we don't talk about leads we don't talk about sales we talk about families we're protecting families so our database for example has largely been overhauled um, where it talks about things like sales notes where we used to record things there's a few other references we're still trying to get rid of um, but yeah right through to so a different version of that question was how operationally do your values come to life so um, like most other businesses, we have a quality checking team. Um, they spend a huge amount of time listening back to service calls, advice calls, making sure that we really have done the best for each of those people. Um, but the, the score we talk about is our care score. Um, so care being one of our five values. What is the care score? How did you demonstrate care to that family? How could you have demonstrated more care to that family? Um, when that client was getting particularly difficult, when you were asking questions about their finances, how could you have demonstrated more tolerance, another of our values, uh, and perhaps ask those questions kind of differently. So it's that kind of woven into the, the fabric and that kind of conversation, or the um, yeah, language is, is, is absolutely vital. Uh, what about performance management, performance reviews, whatever you know, terminology you want to use to describe mm -hmm. it? Um, what form does that take within LifeSearch? Mm -hmm. So a similar methodology, everybody in the business has a monthly performance review and um, yes, some of that does of course focus on kind of day-to-day -day performance and those core statistics, but it is all wrapped around um, you know, that purpose and those values that we've talked about. Um, but certainly the appraisal season that we have for everybody once a year um, and then also twice a year for certain groups of our business, um, it is very obviously about our values and our culture. So the appraisal document, for example, starts with our purpose statement kind of at the top of it, as a lot of our of collateral when the business does, the purpose statement is there kind of in your face. Um, but when you get down to things like the feedback questions where your peers are providing feedback to you, um, we change those every six months, every appraisal season. Um, but they have said things like, yeah, in the last six months, um, yeah, how in your view is this person demonstrated excellence towards your team? Um, excellence being a value. Um, this last time around, we very much focused on the 31 practices, which are those kind of day-to-day -day habits that support the values. Um, so we talked in there about which of those 31 practices do you most, does your colleague kind of most easily demonstrate, which of them do you think they perhaps struggle with, so you'd like them to focus on in the coming six months. Um, those appraisal feedback questions aren't about how could that person sell more in the next six months, or what kind of training could they benefit from so they can make the company more money. Um, it, it's just not that. So, um, yeah, the performance management, the appraisal season um, is all woven around that. Um, and likewise, to some degree, is the, the reward. Um, so, uh, we've woven some of that into our total reward too. So, every quarter, a great swathe of our business has 
um, what we call a, a momentum bonus. Um, so added momentum to um, them and their teams in our business. Um, so they get a kind of a core performance bonus based on their statistics and their, their um, KPIs, I suppose. But then over and above that, they can earn more um, for things that support our values. We tend to go around each quarter of the year with a different theme. Um, so for example, this current quarter that we're in now, we're supporting our value of excellence and 150 or so people in our business um, are working on an additional objective, um, which is around personal growth. Um, so last quarter, they spent a whole bunch of time focusing on personal growth, and now this quarter they're putting that into practice, um, because by doing that, that um, increases their levels of excellence and thus the results of their business. Um, so even things like their total reward, it's, it's just woven in. So I know that a lot of the customers that, that we speak to would love to emulate everything that, that you do as an organisation, but it, it often seems like quite a, a daunting task to get there and a huge transformation project in its own right. Um, in terms of the timescales to get here and the key milestones along, along the route, you know, can you give some reassurance this wasn't an overnight um, thing that suddenly sprung up, you know, this is something that's evolved over time. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll touch on that and perhaps a couple of, of, of reasons why you maybe should do it. Um, so, yeah, we really kind of boil it down to a three-year project that started in 2012. Um, so the first year of that was that, that understanding, really. So going around the business, having those conversations, having those roadshows, um, what do you want your business to feel like? Um, that gave birth, I suppose, to our um, culture statement and our values. And then over the rest of that year, um, yeah, we helped our teams you know, understand that and start to get to grips with that. Um, the second year then was really how we really started to embed that and weave it into the fabric of the business using some of those examples I gave about how should it influence total reward, how should it influence performance management, how should it influence the operations of the business and so on. Um, and then year three um, was very much about just really cementing that, um, but also um, using that North Star almost that everybody is now stood behind using that as our guide. So year three was very much about kind of pulling the whole business together um, by launching some new internal comms tools, some of the things we talked about there like combined retirement, speed networking, all that kind of thing, um, but also a brand new intranet. We have a new one going live later this month, but that was the first time we had a, an intranet to kind of bring the whole company together, I suppose, kind of under that, under that, new, um, that new look of our business. Um, so yeah, we, we very much look at it as kind of a three-year project to kind of get to base camp um, and then everything else we've done in the what four years after that um, it was just kind of building and building and building and building and, um, and then yeah I guess the Sunday Times result in February this year was the, you know, the proof of that that we put the hard work in over three years but then just absolutely kept at it for four more years afterwards um, and it, it, it can't be just a flash in the pan type thing mm -hmm. you just got to keep at it um, the leadership the senior leadership of your business just have to get it um, we've always been hugely fortunate with Tom, as I say, that a lot of this stuff is his own kind of personal DNA and value. So if the CEO is kind of saying, yeah, I get it, let's do it, um, you haven't really got much chance not to. But um, yeah, we work very um, hard at that kind of that, um, chiefs level, as we call it, that board level, um, yeah, to make sure it happens there too. So, um, so that was how we did it in a way. And I suppose the, the why is, um, there's two things I always draw out of this. I remember in a board meeting, um, that my boss at the time um, uh, was at, and the results of the business in that particular month. Um, it was a few months after we launched the, the, the program. Um, a few months after that, um, the results were especially good, perhaps our best ever month on record. Um, Tom sat around the board table and said, asked all the operational leaders of the business, so what happened? 
you know, what, what caused that to be such a good month? Um, nobody, it seems, had an answer. Um, the level of unprotected families that we had coming in was a pretty normal month. Um, we had the same level of kind of resource around the business. There were no particular IT hiccups, which is a very normal month. So really not sure, Tom, how that happened. Um, Tamsin, as our former people and culture director, said, well, in that case, then, I'm claiming it, um, because that was really when you know, the 31 practices model had gone out, it had launched, people were excited about it, people were doing it. Our internet was awash with people posting examples of things they were doing to support it. So in that case, if you operational leaders aren't claiming it, I will. Um, Tom said, any objections? The table kind of went, nah. Um, so it was minuted in the minutes of that board meeting that the results of that prior month were because of the kind of you know, culture evolution program that we had in place. So um, I quite like that story. Um, but secondly, I'm sure if there are people listening to this thinking about you know, um, figures and turnover and profit and all that kind of important stuff, um, at a presentation I did a few months ago, um, I produced a graph and, and put it up on the screen. And there's a clear line, a correlation between our financial results in 2012 when we started this um, and our financial results that just closed in our last financial year ending September 19, which was our best ever um, financial year out of 21. So if you follow that kind of upward trajectory line, and then you map against that all the things we've been doing culturally, um, like those roadshows, like the launch of 31 practices, like the weaving it into the fabric, the total reward stuff, launching your Benefex total reward platform, Sunday times build up, you can just map all those things against that increased line in trajectory. Um, when you know, our headcount, for example, hasn't grown at the same rate to kind of increase the turnover by that much, um, it's, I, I think it's a pretty compelling read. And would you say consistency and maintaining that momentum is the biggest challenge and the most fundamental piece? In part, but I would also caveat that with the, the consistency, the maintaining it, but also the building on it. Um, so yeah, I suppose in the HR world, in the vertical commas, um, you can get sidelined by bigger things like restructurings and redundancies that might be happening, which our business doesn't do, but in, the other, in other businesses it can, um, or you know, some significant people issues, or a bit of a scandal, or um, you know, we need to open another office because we've, you know, we're growing quite quickly. You can often get kind of bogged down in that kind of stuff, um, and so, um, so we do from time to time, but then we always kind of come back to that key point, you know, why are we doing it? What is the vibe? What is the feeling? What is the purpose? Why are we here? So we constantly come back to that. Um, and I suppose with our leaders again, so finely tuned on the on, on the on the grassroots, as it were, we are kind of plugged into that. Um, we also have, which I haven't mentioned, um, a network of twenty culture champions around the business. Um, so we have people in each operational team of the business who, on top of their day responsibilities, are our culture champions. Um, so they very microscopically are focused on. Yeah, the vibe, the feeling, the effort, the energy in their team, um, but also continuing some of those messages. Um, so when, for example, right now we're having a bit of a push on those 31 practices, maybe looking at changing a few of them, you know, to our culture champions that are leading on that. Um, we're one of the founding partners of the World Values Day movement, which happens every October. That happened just a couple of weeks ago on the 17th. Um, so our 20 culture champions around the business came together um, to put on you know, kind of a bit of a, a, a fun day really across the business, you know, celebrating our business, what makes it different, um, why it's great to be here. Um, so they're involved in all of that as well. So um, yeah, so yeah, maintenance, consistency, keeping it going, but then just constantly scratching your head to think, well, what do we do next? Mm -hmm. So what is next? Damn, I knew I shouldn't have said that. <laughs>
What is next? Um, so we just launched our Leadership Away Day, I suppose some further improvements to our, our, will, our well-being philosophy. Um, we talked a lot there about kind of throwing off some of the shackles still of our working practices and working hours, um, and very much just trying to have that philosophy of work is something that you do, not somewhere that you go. Um, so how can we really kind of throw some more shackles off in terms of our kind of working hours and locations, that kind of thing. Um, we've spent quite a lot of time talking about how we have more fun at work, um, and indeed some of our leaders um, have action points coming away from that session about evidencing back to their leader, how they've created a greater sense of fun in their team. Not many businesses will give their leaders action points about creating fun. Um, we talked a lot about um, other things that we're adding to our toolkit. So um, yes, when people are struggling with their health, of course we have things like occupational health specialists and, and um, you know, telephone confidential telephone lines they can call. But actually we've just added to our toolkits things like spa days, massage days, memberships to um, things like Headspace um, and different kind of meditation apps. So um, beefing up our wellness toolkit. Um, we've rolled out our new kind of volunteering program because the giving something back part of the eight uh, dynamics of engagement is really important to us too. Um, last financial year was our most successful year yet. We raised like, £36,000 last year for a whole bunch of different charities um, across the UK and again in Cape Town. Um, we're doing more on that this year and beefing up our volunteering as well. So um, each team now, each leader of each team is now empowered with a, a time bank. Um, so if somebody wants to, in their team, wants to go and shake a can at the train station, sure, fine, go and do it. But actually, if you want to bank that time collectively that your team is going to accrue over the course of the year, and you as the leader want to take your team out of the business for a day and go and build a wall at a nursery school or whatever, um, fine, you're empowered to do that. You don't have to sign it off, you don't have to ask anybody's permission. Um, if that's what you're doing next Thursday with your team, go for it. Um, so that's a lot of the stuff that we've got coming down the track. And number one on that Sunday times list? Yeah, we, we talked about that a lot when, when about four days afterwards when the hangover finally cleared, um, we talked about that, well what do we do next, so go to two and go to one, um, yeah we'll, we'll mull it over, maybe maybe the year after this coming one, so uh, we um, got a whole bunch of data and stuff coming out of the survey which gave us enough kind of food for thought as to how we can keep getting better still, um, I thought the um, MD of the best companies group, he came to our offices to kind of play back the results to us, um, and I thought he phrased it quite nicely where he said you're already operating at Formula One level, um, so this now is just about a few tweaks under the bonnet. Um, so yeah, we're going to regroup for a year, um, get those tweaks done, and then who knows, next year we'll see where we end up. But um, the hangover might be worse next year if we end up at four or five, so um, let's see. Okay, Andrew, thank you very much for your time. No problem, thanks for having me.